Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. I'm Andrea, and by tuning in, you'll hear both encouraging and entertaining stories of faith from my circle of friends, Christian authors, and experts in the fitness industry. For listening today, I'd like to offer one month free to my daily workout program with code EmbracePodcast at EmbraceMovement.com. That's EmbraceMVMNT.com. Okay, you guys, we are back for episode two with Nastron Whitson. And, um, you know, I had to do a couple of takes because the other one, I said her name wrong, even though I've known her for like seven years and she was my doula. She's an amazing birthing professional, um, fellow personal trainer has a lot of education in the birthing world. So thank you, Nas, for coming back on today. You guys were talking about, um, the rehabilitation part after birth and, and coming back into movement, right? Nas? Yeah, absolutely. There's just so much to it, you know, so I'm excited. Andrea sent me a couple things and it's so funny. We kind of just launched and I'm like, wait, wait, we need to wait for the audience. Yeah, exactly. I know. And, and there are so many people from our embrace movement community that are either pregnant right now, or they just had a baby and maybe some of them had them um, April, May, June, July, but I'm still looking forward to them, you know, getting into these episodes if they plan on having more kids or if this applies to them, because a lot of times people think about getting your body back right after having a baby. I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was my mom's generation. I'm not really sure if like all they did was eat like chicken and broccoli and like exercise and do cardio every day. Like I can't imagine what that process was like, but like, I feel like now there's a lot more um, education on being safe. And is that even possible getting your body back after having a baby or is it forever <laughs> a mama. Well, you, you and I both know the answer to this, but just to talk about it, because I feel like, you know, it's, it, you're right. It's not something that maybe was talked about and maybe someone like our mom or even our aunts, our grandparents, um, it just wasn't, I, I feel like in some circles, it wasn't as open, you know, I guess it really depends on, you know, um, your mom's upbringing and your grandmother's upbringing. I know, um, you know, I'm half Dominican. And so in our Dominican culture, our village, we do talk about a lot of that stuff. Like the village is really important, but lately we have been seeing a trend, you know, where women want to get that pre baby body back. Right. And what does that mean? I mean, I had someone, um, I, I would say this was probably two to three years ago who was pregnant and had just found out she was pregnant. And she's like, I, I can't gain this weight. I actually think I need to lose 10 pounds. So when I do gain that baby weight, um, I could, you know, it's almost like I, I am back at even. And so it made me question, you know, what was her upbringing? Why did she feel that need to, to have to lose the weight even before she had the baby? So of course, postpartum, um, when her body had completely changed, of course, she loved her baby and was so excited to be a mom, a first time mom. But, you know, we had to talk about that. We had to really address that and where that came from. And you mentioned it. I mean, once postpartum, always postpartum, once a mom, always a mom, right? Postpartum lasts forever is one of the sayings that, that we love. Um, you know, and, and that almost for some moms that, that sounds, it almost has like a slightly negative connotation, right? But we should be celebrating that. I kind of feel like um, that's a badge of honor. That is something that you went through. 
And we don't want to neglect the moms that are adoptive moms, you know, foster moms, stepmoms, all that stuff. Um, once a mom, you're a mom, right? Um, but in terms of people that actually go through that birthing process um, where they birth a child, uh, your body just goes through so, so many changes, um, as, as you know. And so I think starting this conversation early, like when girls are younger, um, would actually be a great place to start that. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but it, I really think it starts with educating girls on their body, on their cycle, you know, their menstruation. That's something, um, as a female coach, uh, I talk about, um, how losing your period is not good. And so I know I'm kind of like steering a little bit away from the question, but I feel like taking it all the way back to youth is where this conversation really starts. Um, just about loving your body, knowing your body, understanding, you know, some of the changes that it goes through. And then once you get to that, um, that phase, that season of your life of having a child and taking a prenatal education course where we can talk about it further, um, then I think it would better prepare women for postpartum and what to expect. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I have women that come to our courses and they're like, I have never been exposed I've never talked about my period. I've never talked about childbearing or childbirth. I've never seen a birth. And believe it or not, that is really, really common. Um, so like I mentioned, talking about it, exposing people to this education. I mean, I think that's, that's why I do what I do. And I, I keep going. Um, for a while, I wasn't sure, you know, if this was like the right field for me, but um, just sharing with other women, um, you know, this is, how cool is this? How cool is it that our body can do this? How cool is it that you just had a baby and that it's going to take some time to heal? You know, um, I, I, I can keep going. I can keep talking about it, yeah. but I, I just feel like this conversation is, even though we are talking about things more, right. So like we're on social media so much more, we're on, uh, online and over the internet, we have access to so much more. I kind of feel like we're still not talking about the important things, um, like birth, like postpartum, you know, and just honoring, honoring that time, honoring that, um, that postpartum season as much as we should. Some cultures do it. Uh, I think, you know, our culture, um, is a little behind in that area. Yeah, I, I think so too. Even just like the way that breastfeeding is becoming more normal. Um, just like before it was like, do that in your house, in your house only. And if your baby needs to eat, how dare you? You know, I mean, it's just like, that was yes. the norm. And like, it's so weird that I now realize how often you need to breastfeed your baby. It's not like, oh yeah, he needs three meals a day. And this happens to be his lunchtime. It's like, no, he needs about <laughs> 10 meals a day. So I can't literally do anything unless I'm like willing to breastfeed my baby out outside of my own home. Um, well, but you know, it's, yeah, yeah I, mean, I was just going to say real quick, like personality and preference too. With it everyone, also implies you know? that everyone's the same, not to cut you off, but I, I got excited. It also implies that we're all the same, right? <laughs> right? And we're not. And that all babies are the same. All moms are the same. Our bodies all, you know, grow a baby or human the same, and they all heal the same. It's not the case. We're all so different. We're all so um, unique. And so, right. yes, you know, I create programs and protocols for, for women, um, you know, for prenatal and postpartum, but I understand that we're going to have to make some tweaks. We're gonna have to make some adjustments and that is okay. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The beauty of yeah, the everyone body. is is different, and that's that that too. You know, I think that just with the CrossFit Games happening recently, um, that people could watch them and say, "Oh my gosh, did you see X Y Z? Did you see X Y Z?" Of course, you've told me before too that like you once saw somebody running up to soccer ball after she had just had a baby, or maybe she was nine months pregnant. I don't remember, and she like hit the ball so hard. And they're like, "Should she be doing that?" You know, and you're like, "This is a normal activity for someone like her at her." caliber like she's been doing this her whole life this is actually not her level of intensity that you think it is and maybe even very similar like Annie Thor's daughter is you know maybe a less than a year postpartum yet she's snatching 200 pounds for a huge PR under the lights right when she needed to to clutch that third place spot at the games unfortunately (laughs) that is not what my postpartum experience has been I mean even just Kara Saunders and other people that have been like coming back to competing and um Lindsay Valenzuela was a really early one for me that I really Mm -hmm. looked at um and used as you know as an example um but people that are like hey like it's going to be hard but I'm going to do it and they kind of show the pain and the and and the hard work behind it but Um, but you know, that's, that's like, you're saying it's not for every, it's not for everyone. It's not what everyone's is going to look like. And for me, it's been much more gradual. And I think that that does have to do with me being educated and kind of getting in perspective really early on in my pregnancy, you Mm -hmm. know, um, instead of just kind of like at eight months, someone telling me, Hey, it's going to take a minute for you afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, and just kind of want to be precautious early on so that I wasn't having to rehab some, you know, things I could avoid, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that you bring that up. You know, you bring up some names that we've been hearing a lot and I kind of feel like this is the year of the mom, right? We've had, I mean, in the Olympics, you know, you've had so many women, I would say the person pioneering is Alison Felix. And that's someone that I look up to. So many women look up to. And, you know, she faced, uh, went up against a big corporation and, you know, just um, was almost, you know, being punished for becoming a mother and having to come back so soon where, you know, if you know her story, I mean, she almost died and her baby ended up in the NICU. And you hear all these stories of moms trying to come back to competition and athleticism. And one of the things that um, I really try to point people away is, is, is trying not to judge, right? We judge so much as it is, especially as women. Um, but, you know, I've had people message me and, and don't get me wrong in the past. I was one of those people like, oh, can you believe that she lifted that weight and she peed herself? You know, like, oh, I can't believe it. But, you know, a, a, an older, wiser friend of mine brought it to my attention. She's like, you know, Nast how amazing is it that her body can do that? And, um, you know, but maybe someone hasn't talked to her, maybe someone hasn't sat down and educated her and say, Hey, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be in pain while moving or while doing fitness. And I think that's why, you know, we're here and we're having this conversation because that's what we're trying to share is that, Hey, you don't have to pee yourself for the rest of your life. When you lift 200 pounds, you don't have to, or 150, whatever, even 50 pounds, you don't have to, you know, have incontinence every time you sneeze, you don't have to be in pain or, um, or sex doesn't have to be painful. I mean, that's, that's another thing that's not really spoken about quite as often. Um, you know, these are more intimate things, uh, that you probably wouldn't necessarily bring up, uh, with just anyone, but 
you know, as a doula and a trainer and a woman, these are things that, that come up in conversation on a regular basis. I mean, I was just talking to a pelvic floor PT and, um, and, you know, I'd, I've referred quite a few people to this, this woman and she's brought that up. She's like, Hey, I just, you know, want to make you aware, no names used, but you know, these are some situations that are going on. And, and it's, I'm so thankful that we have those conversations. And then exactly like you have elite, more like professional athletes. This is their intensities, their loads are completely different than ours. Um, and, you know, I, I love to talk about this. Um, there's a runner, Alicia Montano, and she was an 800 meter, uh, like on the world stage, world champion, basically. And she's known because, well, first she wears a flower in her hair and she's gorgeous. Um, but she's also a huge advocate for mothers, female athletes and moms. Um, but she ran at nine months pregnant and the internet went crazy, crazy. What's so interesting though, is if you followed her that day, I mean, she was probably running at like not even 50% capacity. And she had an entire entourage of uh, practitioners and medical staff and support helping her. So that was like a, an easy run for her. That was like a chill run. That would have been like almost a, a personal record for most, most people. <laughs> right. It's like, it they're not so aware of like what her genetics are too. Correct. Like if, her experience, if Joe Schmo, like, okay, we can use like a, a female name, but like Sarah Schmo, like walked up and just tried to like hit a soccer ball, like at like a hundred percent or like ran around the track at, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. She would probably really hurt herself or something if she was nine months pregnant, but it's like, okay, well this person, like, like you said, 50% capacity, let's say or 800 is like, let's say under two minutes, like 155. Okay. Well, if she's running at like 240, like that's really right. going to be a pretty, a pretty, not as intense as what we're picturing it, even though most people in the whole world could not run a 240, 800. Yeah. So it's like, it, you have to put it in perspective too, that like not everybody is a world-class athlete either. <laughs> like right. we're saying with our CrossFit friends. Some, some women also like, this is one thing to bear in mind. Some women you know, in their first trimester don't feel as well. And then all of a sudden they hit sure. that second trimester and we talk about leaving the nausea and for, for most, not all women, but um, some women actually do gain personal records in that second trimester, sometimes without trying. So what does that mean? That could be in lifting, that could be in running. They just feel good. They feel better. And so they're almost like, oh, maybe I could push the, the envelope a little bit. Maybe I could push the limits a little bit. Of course, we try to recommend, um, you know, uh, moving so you feel good and, and moving with intention, right? That's one of the things that we talk about. Why are you moving? Why are you doing fitness? Is this because you want to qualify for something um, or are you preparing for birth? And of course it's the latter. Oh, yeah. You're preparing for birth, right? That's preparing the for main birth, intention. Yes. That is your game day prep. That's what yes. you're, you're preparing. But sometimes it just requires a little bit more conversation, like sitting down with them and saying, hey, I know you 10 months ago were um, competing or you were doing this with your life. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to put all that aside. I think we have this fear that life ends when we have kids. That is not the case. And we're totally seeing that. And I love that about the sports and Olympics and the CrossFit games and all that stuff that we're seeing. Um, but, you know, now it, it's just, 
let's, let's calm down for this season. Let's talk about why you're actually going to the gym. Let's talk about why you're sweating, why you're getting just a little bit out of breath, but maintaining your movements at conversational pace um, and how this is going to show up at your birth. You know, why, instead of sprinting right. all out, we're doing some crawling instead, because as we talked about on the, the last show, right. Um, you may have to be on all fours for 45 minutes to an hour. So those are the kind of movements that we're practicing because you might see that show up at your labor and your birth. And so we want to be intentional about what we practice and what we do. And we want to remind mamas that, you know, we're not training specifically for the Olympics, even though it's going to feel like you're in a, an Olympic event, you're training for birth. And that is the intention throughout. We keep weaving that into our conversations, especially when she's at the gym. Even like little words are so different now, you guys. I mean, I only heard the word nursing like my whole life. Like I didn't hear much about breastfeeding. And now it's like people say that a lot more comfortably because they're like, that's what it is, you know? Like I, I, I use both, but, um, and then like, you might've noticed that Nas said labor and birth. And she's talking about like the labor process, getting contractions, going through, you know, the feeling of that and, and, and a certain amount of hours dedicated to the prior part of actually you know, avoiding interventions and being at the hospital or being, you know, wherever you're going to give birth. Um, and that, that kind of buildup of that process and actually giving birth is probably the pushing is what you would say. Right. Or is that actually when the baby comes out, when you're saying like birthing, is it, is it like the process? (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, um, I laugh because in some circles, push is a four letter word. It's like a, a bad word, but in oh, some okay, circles, okay. exactly what they think of is, is the pushing process or the transition of, of baby, you know, meeting your baby and then the placenta wow. being born. So, so yeah, in our world, there's different terms, but yeah, essentially it's, you know, labor can last hours. It can last days. Um, you can be in labor for a really long time, but birth, you know, could be like, say two hours, um, okay, where you act, okay. it's like the transition from not meeting your baby to meeting your baby. And oh, so, yeah, there's that. so much that exactly what you're saying. There's so much that happens in that time frame, And a lot of people think that, and this is great that you're bringing this up. A lot of people think that having a baby is just the actual birth, just the actual, like they're coming out. We forget that there's a labor it's called labor for a reason. And yes. that could be days, hours, um, you know, uh, for example, uh, you know, my sister, she was uh, walking around at four centimeters for almost seven. We, we were predicting seven days. She saw the doctor. She was at four. And then five days later, she had her baby. So she was walking around at four wow. centimeters. That means that she's in early labor um, for that entire period of time. And wow. No, that's yeah. incredible. I remember being at five centimeters and I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> like Anas yeah. guys doesn't use the word pain. She likes to use the word discomfort. We went over in the yeah. last episode <laughs> and I was very discomforted. Okay. I was coming into the, the hospital and I was at five centimeters and Nas kind of helped me actually on the phone, walked me through the contractions and what they feel like. And yes, this is probably it probably going to go into, you know, labor, but try to do as much of it as possible at home. I actually, even got an app and my mom was going through the app and helping me with each one and just keeping track so that we knew the 411 that each one should be about four minutes apart 
um, the one minute long and then for an hour, for one hour. And so that's where that 411 comes in. And I, once I hit that, I'm like, okay, you know, it's like 4.30 in the morning. I've been laboring since like 11, you know, here we are. It's time to go to the hospital. When I came in, they said, most women show up and they go, I'm here. I have arrived. And it's like, oh yeah, honey, you are not ready to give birth. Like you're not ready to like, you're not in the laboring process. You need to go home or whatever. But with me, I'm like, you know, Pete's parking the car. We're like doing all this stuff. And I'm coming in and I'm like, I'm like at the front desk. Oh my gosh. Give me a second. Hold on. Give me a second. And then like, you know, I don't even make it to the elevator and I'm like holding on to something and I'm like, Oh my gosh, closing my eyes. And they're like, see, you're supposed to be here. Okay. So you did it right. I'm like, thank you. I would not have known that I would have gone in at 11 o'clock the night before. I mean, just the whole process that I knew nothing about. I knew that it was going to be a little scary. I didn't know what to predict The other people somehow made it through and lived to tell the story, but that's all I knew. And so, you know, it's very important to get educated about this. You guys, um, yeah. one of our first questions is what do you re- recommend during the process of lying in the first four weeks of postpartum to bond with baby? Yes. Oh, I love this question for so many reasons. Um, first off, just talking about it as so important, you know, one of the things that we changed about our prenatal, um, education is that we added an entire section on the postpartum period. And, you know, we talk about what do you do immediately postpartum? Like when baby's put into your arms, you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> There's this human and welcome. Nice to meet you. Right. You're just getting used to this. And then, um, you know, we talk about two hours. We talk about, uh, a week we t- or two days, a week, two days, you know, two weeks. Um, then we talk about six weeks, but I think one of the biggest things with this postpartum period, first, we have to recognize that I don't think anyone is prepared for postpartum. You know, I think we can do as much as we can, but there's so many unknowns. Right. And I kind of feel like, um, I keep hearing that women, are just like, you don't know until you go through it, right? But one of the biggest things is having support or, or having, having some sort of help. Again, I mentioned other cultures, you know, in our culture, we have our village and, you know, women from the village, they literally just show up and they don't expect anything from you. They show up to cook for you, to clean, um, to clean, to help you, um, bathe or whatnot while someone is taking care of the baby. I mean, they literally surround mom and they help nourish her, care for her, help her in that healing process, um, which, you know, I, I really, really love about other cultures. Oh um, gosh. I mean, that happened a little bit to me, but New York <clears throat> city is a little different, but yeah, did come over with a whole foods bag <laughs> full of goodies, just like fresh fruit and, you know, awesome stuff that she got from the city that I wouldn't have gone into for. And I'm like, Oh man, like this was such a godsend. Like I was like, thank you. Dula. <laughs> I needed this bag of groceries. And then also I was doing, I'm crazy, but I was doing a whole 30 challenge with embrace movement. I was doing a nutrition challenge. And so I, I decided to go whole 30 once I hit, I think three weeks. 
And so it was like, I remember because it was like around January 20th and I'm like, okay, is that three or four weeks? James was how old? Um, but I was going through this with a group of women online and we were doing Zoom calls. And I said, oh yeah, my church is sending me over meals and they even are giving me whole 30 meals to do. And so they were like specifically taking in this diet consideration of mine and making food and then sending them to our house. And I'm like, so it was funny because people were saying, oh, it's so hard to cook so much. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm taking care of this new baby, but I'm not cooking, but I know what you mean yes and it was so helpful like the church really showed up for Food. us really did I love hearing that you know and I love that you're part of a community you guys you know are a big part of your community as well and so um but some people they don't have that kind of support right that's and so yeah, how do we true. help that's couples special. like that prepare for postpartum you know, one of the things we talk about is meal prep, have some meals that you can um, throw in the freezer, maybe just throw in the crock pot. I always say, see if you can do everything with one hand, because most likely you're holding a baby in one hand and excuse me, you're reaching into the freezer with the other. And so, you know, nourishment is so important. Of course, you're trying to keep this little human alive and, you know, you're probably overwhelmed. You probably haven't slept very much. So just, you know, having food and nourishment for mom is so important. Um, you know, right in the beginning, we talk about bonding with baby. I mean, you know, sometimes it's funny, we call it naked time. Um, so that skin to skin, uh, time is just so, so important. Um, I mean, there's a ton of benefits in terms of like regulating babies, um, body temperature in terms of helping them, you know, learn about this new world that they're in, helping them adjust, helping them calm down with their breath. There's so many benefits to skin to skin and bonding. And so that's really what we're focused on the first couple of weeks. It's almost like the, I think Berthet calls it the, the uh, postpartum honeymoon, right? Is those oh, first two weeks. That's so there's sweet. a lot of, right? There's a lot of hormones. There's still a lot of oxytocin. Um, and then you're also figuring out, you know, some mamas are figuring out how to breastfeed. And so there's all of these like new things, these new um, things that you've, if, especially if you're a first time mom, you've never done before. And that can be overwhelming, right? The fact that you have a baby, you're trying to breastfeed, you're trying to feed this little person. Um, you know, you also are probably sore, you know, whether you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean. And so you're healing at the same time. Some mamas, you know, aren't able to move very well. They're not able to pick up loads. Um, so in those circumstances, you know, we talk about having a support system and, you know, if I'm in their life, I say, Hey, what do you need? I mean, I've had instances where, um, you know, uh, a mama, her whole family was in Texas and, uh, then there was a storm on top of that. Then there was a little bit of a complication. And so there was really no one. And so our gym community stepped up and, you know, we went food shopping, we, you know, stopped in and, and made sure that everyone was okay. Um, and so that community, that support is awesome. But yeah. I do want to say, I want to set a boundary here. Um, this is a, a disclaimer. So just because, you know, someone had a baby doesn't mean that you should just come over, right? Um, first off, let someone know when you're coming over. <laughs> they might be naked, <laughs> right? And second, especially now, they don't want you over, so right? No. Or they're probably tired and they're not able to host properly. Um, 
but also it's a pandemic. And so there might be some uh, issues where, you know, they might be nervous about, um, you know, certain germs and, and the virus coming into their home. So that's another thing. Um, but on top of that, really someone should be coming over um, who's invited, but someone who's going to cook and clean. Okay. So we yeah. talk about, there's some great resources out there, some great books, um, books like um, the fourth trimester. Um, I think that's uh, Kimberly Ann. Then you have um, the first 40 days by, I think it's Heng U. I'm not saying it correctly. And then there's, um, this is real food for pregnancy. So it's, might not be for postpartum per se, but this is by Lily Nichols. I got to meet her and see her live. And um, she just talks about postpartum in there as well. And it definitely transfers over. But these books are great, especially if you're pregnant and um, the baby hasn't come yet. But even if the baby is there, just to read and learn about, you know, that sacred time, the first 40 days of postpartum. Um, we certainly sprinkle that in there into our prenatal education. Um, sometimes what happens is you know, it's like, we talk about it, we learn about it, but then baby comes and everything just gets thrown out the window. You're like, I remember nothing. Right, <laughs> help right, me, right. help me yeah. help myself. And so, yeah. um, you know, just having those things uh, set up or in place before you have the baby or something to come home to, um, I think is more important than what, what people realize. Yes, that's so good. Um, I love what you just said about, um, you know, like respecting people, but also like kind of knowing where the boundaries are. And, and I, and I hate to say it because I guess before I had a baby, I always thought of it as, oh, I want to go see my friend or, oh, I want to go take pictures with their new baby, or oh, I want to hold him. Like I was kind of more just thinking about me. And when, when you say those things, it's like the norm, right? Like I want to, I want to see my friend. I want to see the baby. I wanted to get a picture with them when they're so small, like that kind of stuff is more about me. Whereas like completely flipping it like on its head, like completely flipping it and going, okay, how can I serve this person? Like this person has just gone through it. Literally it feels like you've gone through a car accident. Also your baby has just gone through a car accident. You are the primary caretaker of said baby. Okay. So there's a lot going on over here and you're trying to take care of your own house and cook food like a normal person. And who knows what the husband's situation is. If he has paternity leave and he's around or if he's not around, right. it's like, yeah. if there's more kids or if this is your first, either way has complications there too. But it's like, totally. where do we as a church come and surround our communities? Like you're saying in your gym community where we go, Hey, this isn't about me. I might not get to mm -hmm. even hold the baby or touch the baby or see my friend. I remember on Valentine's Day, P had really wanted to make a special two-hour date with us, just us, no baby. And I'm like, first of all, not possible. And and he did. He did it. He he set up this this class, this Zoom class for us to be able to make a cake together on Valentine's Day. It was crazy. I can't even believe we were able we were able to do that. And I was able. To I pretend, remember oh, that oh, cake. Oh. I'm a That's mom awesome. that like, you know, I'm a regular person without a baby take care of my friend. She came over. I was surprised. I didn't know about it. She, um, came to, to the kitchen. She came in. I didn't see her when she got there. She took the baby from Pete. And then he said, we have two hours to like be ourselves and, you know, do this fun thing. I'm like, okay, I could hear him crying, but he said, she's got it. She's, you know, she's raised many kids. Like she's good. And so she was just having time of her life. And she kept saying, 
like afterwards to pee. No, this is life giving to me. I love babies. This was such a sweet time for me too. You don't owe me anything. And then she ended up leaving when I needed to go feed the baby. So I never even saw her. I literally didn't even see my friend. She left. The next time she came over, it was like three weeks later and she did laundry, did dishes and said, what do you need? Do you need chores or do you want to sit and talk to an adult? That's not a baby or your husband. And I said, both those things, please. And it's like, that's, that's an answer to prayer. Like yes. for a new mom like that, if we can be that to other people, we can really friend. serve and be the feet of Jesus, you know? Yes. Oh, I love hearing that. Like keep that friend close. <laughs> I know you do, but <laughs> like, you know, if we could all have a friend like that, um, especially postpartum. And you know what I think also is we don't necessarily prepare our families postpartum too. And that's having mm. those conversations and, and talking to our moms, our sisters, our, our aunts, whoever, our neighbor, and just saying, Hey, I'm not really sure what I'm going to need, but, um, if you could just check in on me, like on Monday yeah. or every Monday yeah. or every Tuesday or whatever, um, every other week. And it just, you know, even if I say I'm fine, just be like, did you eat today? You know, just having that friend that maybe is a little bit more, um, maybe direct, so but also good. you could tell them, uh, I need to be alone. Like, please back off. And they won't be offended. I think that's mm. one of the things like, you know, family members don't know what to do. Sometimes I have moms and in-laws message me, like they get my information and I'm cool with them sharing before they message um, the couple, which I think is so interesting. And I learned that from um, one mama that I was working with where her family was just being cautious and they were concerned and, um, and they were nervous. And so they were like, Hey, is it okay if we, you know, go to the hospital or if we come over or whatever. And I was just saying like, Hey, you know, why don't we give them some time? Why don't we give them a day? It looks like they're just getting settled. Um, they're learning how to be alone. They haven't eaten anything. Or why don't you just drop off? Like she wants pizza, like <laughs> just drop off a pie and just leave it there. And then when she wants yeah. you to come over, she'll let you know. And so this is something we talk about um, as a doula, just preparing, you know, a partner, like, you know, when we talked about in the last episode, when we talked about um, the circle that you were talking about, this it's like, what do you want inside the circle? Outside of the circle is what you don't want. For some people, mm. it's having too many people around gets them overwhelmed and anxious, right? And then for some people, it's like, you know, explaining to them that they need to communicate with their loved ones to help them understand what's coming or what they need, like communicate, say, let your yes be yes. And your no be no, like Mm, be a little bit more upfront. Yeah. Which it can be scary, especially if you don't have that relationship, you're afraid of offending someone, um, Mm. you know, when they, they come over and you have to, you feel like everything needs to be perfect. Right. And it it just doesn't have to be perfect. It can't be. Yeah. It it cannot be. No. And there's also like a respect too, of like, Hey, this is their own family now. Like for me, like I really valued that time of like me and Peter and the baby getting to become this unit that we've never been before. Like we're meeting our own baby too. It's not just like about needing help. It's not just about the family meeting the baby. It's like, we're trying to connect in a really special way that's fleeting, you know? And so for us, that's a priority in our marriage and in, uh, you know, our time with the baby, like, so, so that's like a thing too, you know? So you guys got that part of like how to serve each other, how to love somebody that just had a baby and also how to be like super respectful. So many dynamics. And can I also mention too, I didn't, I didn't bring this up, but you also have other resources, right? right? Um, 
you have resources like a pelvic floor physical therapist. One of the things I'm learning is that mamas don't know what a pelvic floor PT does, what, you know, what they could potentially do. Um, you know, sometimes during, during birth, things shift around, things move, your organs actually do move. And if you're having a cesarean, they are physically moved. Um, and they don't always necessarily go back into, I would say the, the right place. I know I'm not saying that in a medically correct way, but just for understanding. Um, and then sometimes they don't fire in the proper order. Muscles don't fire in the proper order. So what a pelvic floor physical therapist can help do is assess that. And they can help you figure out, you know, um, why is there pressure? Why, why do I feel like a bulging, right? That's called, in some cases, it's called a prolapse. Why do I feel like this is super tight? Um, you know, what do I feel like I like sex is painful. You know, we brought that up before as well. That is someone that you can see. Um, you know, you also have a lactation consultant. Uh, I just had one on, um, I have these uh, free Zoom classes going on every Tuesday and I just had one on and you can't even imagine all the questions that she got. It was incredible. <laughs> I took That's notes, awesome. I took five pages of notes and I mean, I didn't even know half of this stuff um, in terms wow. of like, pumps and flanges and, you know, all, like the timing of things and de-stressing and, you know, like, did you know this when someone's milk, it takes about 40 days for someone's milk supply to go dry. And even after it's gone, it's it can come back. And it's just the most amazing thing. And so lactation consultant um, can help identify if there is uh you know, a tongue tie, if they, the baby needs any sort of like a cranial sacral massage. And, and like, if your the equipment fits you correctly, if you have the right size, um, mm. and, and I, you know, breastfeeding and just feeding your baby in general has brought up so much angst and so much anxiety. Of course it does. Right. And so that's all you want to do in the world. That's, yes. that's literally that's, like, you want them to be nourished. You want them to be okay. Absolutely. You feel bad that they're on the outside of you and they used to get it whenever they wanted. Oh, I'm a little hungry. <laughs> Sleep from the straw. <laughs> now it's like, Oh, I don't know how to eat. It's like, I don't know how to get yes. you to eat. Like it's this complicated thing from a mom whose baby never took a bottle, but it's There's, like, yeah. very, it can be stressful, but I mean, breastfeeding is, totally is a different stressful for everybody. And um, I love that. I love that you mentioned that because you guys, if you don't know it by now, Nas is a resource queen. That's what I call her around my house. Okay. <laughs> she is just all about the resources. We will plug totally. those in Nas text me those later. And I'm going to put those in the show notes so that everybody knows where to go when we talk about resources. Okay. That's yes. super important. Um, how should somebody slowly come back to move in? Once they've hit the six week mark or whenever they feel ready for some girls, one of my friends told me who is a dancer and is a very fit dancer. She said, I cannot believe you were working out so quick. She said, I didn't do a workout until six months. And it really surprised me because this one is very, you know, I would have thought she would have been the same kind of feeling as me. I didn't work out at six weeks. I think I waited until seven or eight closer to that. I didn't move at six weeks, but I wouldn't say I even sweated until, you know, that about two month mark. So for me, I felt like I was almost behind. And then to her, she felt like I was so ahead. And she was like, I mean, good on you. Like, I'm really proud of you. She was like, it just it was so hard for me to do anything but just like go for a walk and yeah. like, that shows us that everyone is different you know it really does I I think 
you know, there's this expectation that women should come back so quickly. I mean, if there's a time where we saw that it's during the pandemic, right? Um, what was that stat? Excuse me, over 70% of the workforce that left were mothers. Um, just because it, it was tough to hand to balance all the things, and, you know, sometimes fitness gets pushed to the wayside. And sometimes it's the first thing that women want to do. But there's a lot to consider when you're coming back. And yes, of course, you know, one of the things that we hear all the time is, oh, well, I just came back from my six week checkup, and I got totally cleared nest. So I can totally do all the things. Well, let's just say, you know, you had a 10 pound baby, you know, you were laboring for quite a while, um, you got to, you know, say seven centimeters, and then all of a sudden you needed to have a cesarean um, because, you know, baby's heart rate dropped or, or whatever, you know, there's a little bit of trauma that happened there. And so for a woman to assume that, um, you know, maybe she can, but to come back, you know, six weeks postpartum and be lifting the weight that she was lifting before, it's just, um, you know, she could try, it just probably won't feel good. Right. And so we talk about um, the hormone relaxing, like, you know, we still have, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's relaxing all of your joints, which is what you want before baby comes. Right. Um, we want everything to relax and to open. And so you have relaxin running rampant through your body and relaxin isn't dangerous. Relaxin in the presence of heavy load and intense loads is dangerous. And so, yes, could you lift all that weight and run as hard as you could post baby. Sure. Should you, um, that my question again is what's the intention? Why, why do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. And so having those honest conversations, usually they're accompanied by a lot of tears, um, where women feel like they're the only thing that they can control is their body. But at the same time, their body feels foreign to them. This is like a brand new thing. They, they almost feel like their body betrayed them right? That's a big mm, word that comes yeah. up often yeah. is a, a sense of betrayal. And so there's a lot of changes you went through, right? Like our center of mass change. Um, it doesn't matter how many glute bridges you did, your posterior chain feels like it literally shut off. And so um, that's one thing that we address as well, which is why we love movements like the box squat is one of the first movements that we come back to. But I would say before all of that, you know, we can address relax and we can address diastasis, we can address breastfeeding. The first thing we try to do is we help mom reconnect to her breath, right? Everything begins and ends with a breath. And so we just have her slow down a little bit and we call these uh, two minute drills and we just have her breathe, right? We usually have her put baby right on top of her. We just take some deep nasal breaths, diaphragmatic breaths, and we have her reconnect to her body. Sometimes just that act alone can bring up emotions. It can bring up the birth. And so just being in that space of just need to reconnect to what happened, what I just did, and almost in some cases reframe it is so, so important. So once we have a reconnect with her breath and we start all of our sessions with, with two minutes of breathing, um, all of our postpartum sessions, then, you know, we talk about diastasis right? Uh, diastasis is the separation of um, a collagen structure in the middle of your belly, like where the abdomen meets. It's called the linea alba. And, you know, at your third trimester, 100% of women um, have been shown to have diastasis. It's basically your body just creating space for baby. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's I kind of feel like there's yeah. just been like 
negative connotation about oh my gosh, you have dietitian. It doesn't happen to everybody. It's like, yes, it leaves people and people like, you know, there's, there's comes and connects back faster than maybe everyone, maybe some right. people never do, but everybody experiences it because your abs have to open yes. to create room for the baby. It's very interesting. It, it really is that they just think it, your tummy stretches and they're not thinking about the muscles that have to open up to right. make way for what's coming, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, some women don't uh, address that and they haven't been shown that or they don't care or there's other things going on. They haven't had that, maybe that real conversation, that vulnerable conversation, and they'll come back to doing uh, abs as fast as they possibly can while diastasis oh is still there. And so if you yeah. think about it, you're telling, you know, you, you, you like, you know, make a bicep over and over again, you're telling that muscle to contract and to stay there and to stay open. Right. And so that's one of the things that we explain that we talk about that we show, we don't say it's, it's bad. Um, we try not to use, you know, bad and good. Um, we just talk about whether it's effective or ineffective. So if she continues with diastasis, um, you know, maybe there's other dysfunction going on there, you know, she could have incontinence, you know, peeing herself. Um, she could, you know, have a prolapse, uh, there could be all, all sorts of things associated with it. Um, and so we just don't want her to be in pain and we don't want her to be in pain long-term. We don't want her to be discomfort. If she's planning on having more children, um, we want that diastasis to heal and, and then, you know, she'll be in a better place going into her, you know, multiple pregnancies if she chooses to. And so, yes, we talk about breathing. We talk about the core. So we, we almost reintroduce them to breathing and bracing. And then we talk about, you know, just for a time, if diastasis is present, um, you know, avoiding uh, extreme flexion and extension. Um, so yeah, things like toes to bar, things like PhD uh, sit-ups. Um, in some cases for some women, you know, American swings, uh, you know, kipping pull-ups, things like that. And I like to remind them, it's just a season. This is not forever, right? And we introduce them to uh, certain like rehabilitative movements um, you know, just, uh, like the dead bug with, uh, something called intra-abdominal pressure. So we talk a lot about your core. Like if you think of your core, like 360 degrees, we breathe into all parts of your, your core, like your back and your sides and your front. We don't just like suck in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. although I have to mention real quick, in some cases, maybe a pelvic floor physical therapist may have you bring your belly button in for like rehabilitative purposes. And that's good, right? They're a practitioner that, that can work on helping you rehab your core and your pelvic floor. So yeah, I can go a million different ways. There's, there's a lot, but I think helping women understand that it's a process. It doesn't have to happen overnight, right? Um, everyone's body heals differently and yes, there are certain things that you could do instead of abs. We do, you know, um, we, we love farmer's carries. We love, you know, um, sled pushes and sled pulls, like any, any like strongman type stuff. You know, we prefer that for, for core exercises. And we say, Hey, maybe now's not an appropriate time for running and jumping and, and lifting over 80% of your one rep max. Let's work on strengthening your core a little bit more using, you know, certain rehabilitative exercises. And for sure, let's talk about asking for help, you know, and, and, and what that looks like. 
Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much. I mean, yeah. I, I do remember there was um, a good friend of mine who was a games athlete and she said there was a workout with 50 burpees in it. She had, you know, waited the appropriate time. And she said, let me tell you when you're ready and you hit that point, you want to go like you want to, you feel good. Like your body feels good. You've lost uh, quite a bit of the weight. And maybe for this specific person, she's like, I was ready to move, you know, and a burpee doesn't seem like something that could hurt you because it's just cardio basically, you know, but it's, if you haven't been doing them, you know, but so she, she did, you know, the 50 burpees that were like in, in the workout. And she said about halfway, she was like, this doesn't feel right. I should not be. And she said, she doesn't know if it was the speed or if it was the movement or kind of how she, she moved her body, but she was rehabbing that alone for so long that she felt like she needed to warn me about it. She was like, honestly, you're going to feel great. Don't yeah. give in to that desire to just go. I feel so good. I'm not holding the baby right now. I'm not in, you know, nine months pregnant. I'm not, you know, with the 35 pound weight vest right now. Like I just feel great. She was warned to me and I, and I was so thankful for that, you know, because other moms can help each other in that and encourage each other to come back slowly and, um, to I be real with that. each other, you know, and because, just being real. Yeah. Like the sit-ups, you guys, what she's talking about with that flexion and extension, I mean, you're opening and closing your hips, yeah. like you're moving open, close, open, close. So that would be like, of course, a sit-up rep or something where you're opening your body and then you're closing it like a crunch. And you're doing it over and over and over again. And instead she's talking about those elongated movements where you're bracing for a certain amount of time. Like when she's saying even to do a squat, okay, well, you're going to keep that brace for at least five seconds. Okay. Well, when you're going to do a farmer's carry, you're going to be going a certain distance. And the whole time you're just going to be squeezing, maintaining everything so that you can not only work on strength, but you're actually taking that breath and using it for fitness. Same thing with sled pushes. You're actually yeah. like bracing yourself instead of mm -hmm. doing a crunch in thought of, oh, this is going to give me abs. Whereas necessarily we want to strengthen our core and not just the frontal plane of our abs, you know, yeah. so, and, you know, and it's not even, it's not like you can't try. I mean, you're, at some point you have to try these movements right. in order to see right. like, Hey, how does when? it feel? Like, you know, can I, can I go more? And there's some days where, okay, maybe you can do an intense workout for seven minutes, but that eighth minute, like going into that eighth minute, you may feel like, oh my, it's like, I'm just tired. Or like you peed yourself a little bit. And I just tell women, like, as soon as that happens, stop the movement, or maybe let's work on rebracing. Maybe we can brace better, or maybe that workout is over for that day. Right. And it, you're going to get stronger as you continue. And as you, you work, you know, on that, but yes. you know, one of the things I love to say Oh, and then the warm up. I, I really think one of the coolest things that we can do is we can warm up better, right? Especially when we're postpartum. I kind of feel like that. Uh, I call it the wake up. So I have women do a little bit of breathing and then we do some, you know, maybe something like glute bridges or the dead bug, um, you know, in, in very specific ways. And so we have them wake up before they warm up, right? Um, I love but that. Yeah. And, and you know, I one of the things in my life, oh, I know I'm all about the warm up, girlfriend. <laughs> I don't have time to wake up. Gosh. Okay. Sit and ask you, this is my slap in the wrist. Okay. I need to, wake up. <laughs> it's all of us. <laughs> it's, it literally is all of us. And so, um, you know, birth, having a baby is such a great time to recalibrate, right? Mm. If you don't have great habits before, this is such a great time to just start to reintroduce 
like I was saying, a warm up, right? Maybe add some breathing. Maybe we can move a little bit better. Maybe we can be in better alignment. Um, we can raise the standard of our movement and, and why we're moving. Um, so I, I love to say it's like, you know, no matter what happened in the past, if you had a, a really crappy, you know, snatch form, well, maybe we can make it better now that we've, we've had a baby, right? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't yeah. have to be so. So yeah, all, and all that stuff, it just makes you stronger. Like I have a mom who, um, you know, she had her second baby and her, like once we worked on her core and breathing into her core, 360 degrees, I mean, yes, it could be mom strength, but this woman's clean and jerk is ridiculous. And she credits it to working on her core and just being, having a better posture and alignment. Um, and she applied that to her Olympic lifts, which as we know, when you work on your core, it, it, it transfers to everything. So I just, mm -hmm. I love that she figured that out for herself. And now she like, she's like our, our poster child. She's like our, our biggest advocate for all that stuff, which is really cool. Well, because she did her homework. That's the thing yeah. is they say, do these, you know, do these pelvic tilts, do these, you know, glute bridges and embrace and, and do, you know, even just um, Kegels or whatever, you know, do these things. And if you completely ignore them, you might still come back and, and be healthy. Some people's genetics are different, you know, but if you do your homework, you're going to get the results of, I feel prepared. I feel strong. I feel good. I feel like I can step back into working out. And if you don't do your homework, you might feel like, I feel unsafe or I feel not ready, or I feel like, you know, this isn't, I'm, this isn't the place for me yet or unsure, you know, but like you were talking yeah. about even the last episode, Nas, is we want confidence. We want to go into yeah. these things feeling prepared. And it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to go, oh, I'm, you know, Andrea Ager. I've been doing CrossFit for over a decade. I couldn't even do a wall sit when I had to demo a wall sit for a video. And I was already like four weeks out and I'm like, do I have to do it longer than 10 seconds? Cause I literally cannot actually do this longer than that. <laughs> it is shocking, but your body is not going to be the same. It's not just because the baby is gone. Doesn't mean that you're healed. Yeah. And honoring, recognizing that honoring that, I mean, honoring it. we yes. talk about like, you have this, this heat, this beautiful person in your womb space. And then the baby comes and then it's cold. And so, you know, one of the things we love telling people to do is put a warm blanket or warm compress on your belly, you know, postpartum, or, you know, do something that makes you feel good, makes you feel loved um, mm. ask for help, ask for support. I mean, just, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you need. A lot of times we don't focus on that because, everyone's focused on baby, but you know, right. my favorite question is what about mom? <laughs> what about <laughs> to, mom? Be a, to be a shirt, like what about mom? <laughs> I love that. I love that Ness. What about mom? Yeah. It's everyone is of course focused on baby and that's, that's how it is. You know, that's the grandparents and everybody. I mean, they're just, they're there. Like they're, they're also in this process as we go through the pregnancy and the birthing to when am I going to get to meet my grandchild or when am I going to get to meet my, my, my sibling or my best friend's baby and all that sweet stuff. We want to know what they're going to look like all that stuff. I mean, you're as a mom, so scared too, because you're like, am I going to mess them up? Am I going to, you know, like, I remember there was this story of this girl. I know that like literally somehow she was 
co-sleeping with the baby, like, you know, however you guys feel about that, whether you did it or whether you're like, I would never, okay. It was a little bit dangerous. She lost the baby in bed. I think maybe the baby rolled somewhere, landed in a safe, soft spot, but they found the baby after crying a little bit, but went back to sleep. And, and they it was kind of like underneath the dresser. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is so traumatic. I bet that was so hard for him. She took her to the doctor, you know, and the doctor said, she goes, um, your baby is totally fine. And she said, I know that was probably really scary for you, but listen yeah. up. The, the, the birth canal is the most traumatic thing they will ever go through. Imagine <laughs> being squeezed out of a tiny, tiny hole and your whole, your whole brain and your, and your skull being like, ah, what am I doing? like that crazy situation she's like for however how long the 50 minutes two hours like what how long was it? that is the most traumatic yeah. they've ever they've ever gone through and she's like that trauma compared to what you experience they're gonna be okay and she's like <laughs> oh I feel so much more normal now and that actually helps me get my first couple of <laughs> through my first couple of months of ups and downs of like I yeah. don't have to take care of this thing but it, I'm doing my best it's, the baby's gonna be okay you're going to be okay. Yes, at the we end just of the have day. to keep saying that. Right? Yes, totally. Totally. You're and doing you guys, great. Um, you oh. know, I would love to do, you know, more with NAS, whether it's a Q and a, let us know in the comment section or write me a DM. Do you guys want programs? What, what should we do, you know, to involve NAS further in our community? I want to hear from you guys. So um, I want to th- say thank you, Ness. You guys, I, she has been my longtime friend and um, I'm always going to keep in touch with her. So if you have any questions that are, you know, like just burning and, you know, you need to get a hold of her, <laughs> Ness, how can they reach you? Well, you could find me on social media. Um, uh, our company name is Birthing Strong. You can also email me uh, right now. It's Ness at store HP, H as in health. P as in performance.com. Um, we are working on a website. So pretty soon it'll be nastwitson.com where we'll have a whole bunch of programs for mamas and a whole bunch of programs for running. Cause I, I love both and I, I can't let go of either of them, but yeah, I would love for you guys to ask me any questions. You know, nothing's off the table. Um, I get asked all sorts of things at random times, but yeah, I would love to support you guys. And especially, um, you know, if I could just add, if you feel like you need support or you need help, please know you are not alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. So you have a sisterhood here. Um, please reach out and we will help you find someone. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, All right, girlfriend. Guys, until <laughs> next time. Thank you, Naz. We are a women's program that helps build a daily routine around Bible study, prayer, and fun fitness workouts. Get a month free with code EMBRACEPODCAST.